part one of a christmas miscellany twenty twenty one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org recording by david wales a christmas miscellany twenty twenty one by various part one christmas in southern seas from into the frozen south shackleton expedition nineteen twenty three by james marr just about now too there was a certain amount of merriment in the ship owing to car being required to improve the accommodations below it takes very little to arouse a laugh on shipboard where stern hard work is the prevailing note and we were grateful to our amateur carpenter for permitting us to laugh at his well-meant efforts which though rough and crude suited the conditions despite the alterations that had been made at rio the down-below accommodation was still limited and every man had to stow himself away in as small a space as was compatible with continued existence if in a future state i am ever destined to become a sardine i shall know that i've had good training in the art of close stowage as the wind was coming away fair and with a force that promised added speed the foresail and staysail were taken in and the square sail set the promise was fulfilled and now we romped along in an inspiring manner through a quickening sea that slapped happy little wavelets against our quarter and threw occasional wisps of spindrift aboard in the main the day was somewhat misty and there was a heavy swell running as though promising an increase of the wind what kipling calls the high running swell before storm gray formless enormous and growing it's astonishing to me how kipling himself no sailor understands the sea so well he seems to have got right down to the very inwardness of open water and if he'd been a trained sailor he couldn't understand the sea's mysteries and wonderments better than he does the day of christmas eve broke to show us a moderate sea and a refreshing west-southwest wind during the entire day this breeze increased and with frequent squalls and a gloomy lowering sky and the wiseacres among us prognosticated bad weather of course it is always safest to prophesy bad weather at sea because you naturally make up your mind that it is coming and prepare yourself for any emergency and then if it doesn't eventuate you thank your lucky stars for continued good times but on this occasion the portents proved correct before night a big sea was running and the wind from menacing whistle increased to that deep thunderous note of striving which indicates the nearness of a puka storm we began to ship water nothing to worry about but still enough to drown out the dynamo as a result of which catastrophe our lights were extinguished and we were compelled to resort to the oil lamps by way of illumination while shortening sail one of the clues of the squaresail carrying heavy block and shackle whipped sharply across the deck and caught carr a sickening blow in the face he was literally clean knocked out but contrived to come back to time and with his hands to his face and the blood flowing all too freely through his fingers tried to carry on but this wasn't to be permitted 
he was sent below for the attention of the doctor who diagnosed a broken nose the doctor and his assistant worked assiduously to restore the unfortunate's nasal organ to its pristine beauty but though they satisfied themselves they failed to satisfy the sufferer who did his best in front of a mirror to flatter his own mild vanity he made such a poor attempt that the work had all to be done over again and during the operation hussey consoled him with impertinent remarks concerning the effect his face would have upon the women of england if he tampered with it any further this was a funny christmas eve however far different from those of the past to palliate our present uncomfortable conditions we endeavoured to create a vicarious atmosphere by remembering previous christmases here were we a congregation of desperate adventurers collected from all the corners of the world isolated for our sins in a little tossing ship that seemed pitifully small to engage with the massed forces of the southern seas all of us separate entities depended upon our imaginations for recreation we talked about christmases past and groaned in spirit when we reflected upon their glories and then as nothing was to be gained thereby we went on to picture the ideal christmas we would wish to spend opinions varied very considerably sentimentally we mostly drew passionate sketches of snow-covered fields and church spires pointing upwards and weights and skating and honest christmas fare carefully omitting needless to say the consequent inevitable indigestion it is rather queer how the exile invariably pictures christmas as a snow-smothered festival whereas the average christmas according to my experience is chiefly remarkable for its entire lack of snow anyhow we all decided unanimously that the christmas dinners of the past were to be mere shadows as compared with the christmas dinners of to-morrow for mr rowett and his considerate wife had made their arrangements well in advance and the ship was excellently well supplied with rich and luscious fare certain cases carefully stowed and treated with exaggerated respect were rumoured to contain turkeys hams puddings and all those ameliorations which go to make christmas what it is and on this note of gastronomical anticipation we welcomed the day alas alas we builded our hopes on foundations of shifting sand christmas day down there in southern latitudes where it was officially midsummer dawned bleak and grey and threatening the wind during the night had increased to a very good imitation of a real gale and the ship was showing precisely what she could do in the way of uneasy motion a cork could not have been more lively in the sea that was kicked up by the droning velocity of the unleashed winds so far as i myself was concerned a happening occurred that threatened to make me entirely indifferent to this christmas day or indeed any others that might gladden the world my job was to maintain a lookout on the bridge the forecastle by this time being so constantly washed by whole water that the normal lookout position had become untenable the officer of the watch sent me below for a tin of milk wherewith to make more palatable his morning coffee and off i started full of zeal 
crossing the poop i felt the quest poise and quiver preparatory to taking one of her solar plexus disturbing pitches a big formidable gray-bearded comber swung up out of the obscurity gathering weight as it came it towered high growing always growing then it fell right atop of me washed me clean off my feet and promised to wash me overboard but with a natural desire for a long life as well as a merry one i clung to what became handiest a bit of the covering board and held on noisy water covered me i felt myself drowning but the ship kicked up her stern with a saucy irresponsibility the water receded to the accompaniment of thunderous growls and i continued to exist but i was as nearly overboard as a toucher and considering the sea that was running it is doubtful if a boat could have been launched to the rescue however all's well that ends well and the watch officer got his tin of milk in the long run let it be recorded here and now how wonderful a sea-boat the quest is i have probably mentioned the fact before but it cannot be too strongly emphasized she seemed designed to stand weather that would make the biggest atlantic liner quail small and light she rises triumphantly to the noisy crest of the biggest waves and stares down in supreme scorn at the welter of disturbed water beneath her always she seems to be laughing in her sleeve at the clamorous immensity of the combers as though deriding their efforts to overwhelm her she is wonderful a ship to be proud of a ship to trust she seems to look on the whole business as something of a game and instead of shipping vast masses of destructive water as a bigger vessel would dodges the big fellows kicks them under her keel and roars up splendidly to the foamy summits to twiddle her fingers at the atlantic's worse of course even the quest shipped water but not in sufficient quantities to tear away her bulwarks stave in her hatches and generally tear her timbers apart as might well have happened in the case of a bigger ship but what she gained in seaworthiness she atoned for in her liveliness by breakfast time she was heaving herself about in an unimaginable fashion so much so that it was impossible to keep anything on the table everything was thrown about and the fiddles proved worthless as a safeguard and for this reason the actual ceremonial of christmas was wisely postponed to cook a satisfactory meal was a problem beyond even the cook's skill and resourcefulness although there is no doubt that green was the hero of the day he did his best but when the kettle hits a man in the eye and the soup-pot empties itself into his waistcoat and the stove thoughtfully discharges its hissing embers on his feet and every now and then a wave slaps in and extinguishes the newly kindled fire and the floor is swimming knee-deep in greasy brine what can a man do that would not cause derision in the mind of a parisian chef the boss gave orders that the impossible was not to be attempted and lacking turkeys and the kindred delights of christmas we satisfied ourselves with heroic sandwiches of bully beef and bread eating them as best we could manage 
stowed away in the alleyways for the most part with our feet and bodies well braced for steadiness against the soul-stirring rolls of the ship to which we had entrusted our fortunes green like the hero he was unexpectedly provided us with piping hot cocoa and considering how thoroughly drenched and chilled we were for there was no shelter worth the name to be found the steaming beverage was better to be desired than nectar and ambrosia and all the fabulous delights of the gods what though its flavour was reminiscent of the bilges it heartened us and stimulated us to a nicety and we asked for nothing better at least we might have asked but with scant prospect of receiving notwithstanding all seafaring difficulties green determined that we should have some sort of a hot meal for dinner a thick stew resulted which we did not attempt to analyze too closely but ate and were thankful for such as wished it were also served with a tot of grog wherewith to drink the healths of the promoter of the expedition and his wife and then we compared notes of christmases past again and discovered what a queerly assorted company we were from central africa iceland and singapore from new york harburg and lithuania from mauritius rio and cape town from london and aberdeen and seemingly all the cities of the world we'd drifted towards this restless speck now wallowing in the run of a south atlantic sea as a witness that the call of adventure can never overpass the wildest limits of the world and that all things might be finished in real slapdash style a big sea lolloped aboard insinuated itself down the after companion and saturated my bunk truly a merry merry christmas but what of it and this christmas day brought us many greetings if not from absent friends at least from the birds of the air which were about us in great numbers albatross mollymocks whale-birds cape pigeons their name was legion boxing day brought an improvement in our conditions the wind was lessening although the sea still ran high and with only our fore and after set we logged an even six knots which was to us almost a racing pace as an offset to improved circumstances outboard we developed inboard defects again and the chief of these promised to be really serious for our main freshwater tank sprang a leak and before it was discovered the tank was dry and our precious store of drinking water was washing nastily about the odoriferous bilges the boss took this accident very much to heart it seemed as though ill fortune had dogged him throughout the voyage but all the worrying in the world could not mend matters and the only thing to do was to practise the most rigid economy in using what little fresh water still remained reserving it for drinking and cooking only endeavouring to satisfy all our other needs with sea-water pure and simple though a little oily water was being distilled from the engine-room exhaust tank fortunately the weather was growing considerably cooler and our thirsts were slaked automatically next day though the wind was still blowing fairly hard it was fair and we set the square sole to take full advantage of it no luck 
hardly was it set than the outhaul carried away and down came the canvas for repair which was effected with commendable swiftness so that by breakfast time the sail was again set and in obedience to the weight of wind in it the quest began to romp along like a cup winner the number of albatrosses accompanying us now was growing they are wonderful birds and well worth watching gigantic too some of them are with a stretch of wings somewhere about fourteen feet and an ability to fly untiringly without any perceptible exertion as the day progressed the wind freshened and by four bells in the middle watch a full gale from the west-northwest was rioting about us coming on deck at this time i was greeted with the awe-inspiring sight of a favouring gale with big seas galloping in our wake like hungry monsters eager to overtake and devour us dark though the night was the phosphorescent gleam of the foam was so vivid as to give one a fine impression of the elemental tumult that raged outboard the seas were being kicked up with truly astonishing velocity and the hissing rumble of them as they piled along our rails was a sound to remember for many a long day as the wind was well away on the quarter the engines were unnecessary so under square sail and topsail alone the quest flashed merrily southward we were logging a steady nine knots by this time better than we'd ever done before even with engines working and all sail set a mightily invigorating sensation it was i must admit end of part one